I take a, one of those motorcycle taxis to the Casa de Changui, Guantanamo, and there I just see five dudes just like waiting for me. Like just, I just see five dudes just there, and I'm just I'm like, okay. I get off, and then you know, one of them was Tavera, the other one was Carmelo, the other one was Jose Andres, the the singer, and they just fucking treated me like family, man. Welcome to another episode of the People Plus Art Podcast. Today, I'm so happy to sit down with my good friend Gabriel Garcia, founder singer-songwriter, tracero, and band leader for Changui Mahavero. In this episode, we talk about Gabriel's beginnings as a musician, his travels to Cuba, how he fell in love with Cuban music, and how everyone can be an active fan, something that is very, very important and something we can all do to support our favorite artists. So let's get to it. This is Gabriel Garcia, founder of Changui Mahavero. I was born in Los Angeles and um, kind of raised all over the place in Southern California. Born in Los Angeles, then moved to San Diego. I lived in actually in Tecate, Mexico for, for a little bit in Mexico. Mm-hmm. My parents moved a lot. So I wasn't in one particular area. I remember like, like uh, even in elementary school, I remember just moving all over the place. So my parents have always been smart in that sense. Like they, before like things got too hectic, my parents would leave. You know what I mean? Like the same thing in, in Los Angeles. They they lived in Hawaiian Gardens. This is what when, when I was born. So like down the street, a kid got shot. Mm. And, you know, my two older brothers would be playing in the street a lot and everything. So they decided to move to uh, San Diego, to Imperial Beach. Back then, it was known for a lot of like crystal meth and a lot of... Um, a lot of, lot of drugs or whatever, but it was big big on crystal meth and all that. You know, the elementary school that my sister was going to, like, whatever, things were happening, you know. So my parents decided to get the hell out of here, and they went all the way to the boonies, man. I don't know if you're familiar with going towards, like, Homul area. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, way yeah. out there. Yeah, way out there, man, in the boonies. So I don't know if you want to call it a town. I don't know. Call, I don't know what, what what you call it. It's called Dulzura. Literally, really close to the border with Tecate. Mm-hmm. So I remember all the time going to Tecate. Like I was going to Tecate, Mexico, because I have I have family from Nayarit that moves from Nayarit, Mexico, because that's that's where my dad's from, Nayarit, Mexico. A lot of them uh, migrated to 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 uh, Tecate. So I remember always just going back and forth from from Dulzura to Tecate, just kicking it with family, hanging out. So that's a lot a lot of my roots too, you know? So what were some of the sounds that you grew up listening to? So, so I got to give you, in order to answer that question, I got to give you some background on, on my parents. Mm-hmm. So my dad's from Nayarit, Mexico. My mom's uh, Mexican-American, Chicana from East Los Angeles. So my mom would bump a lot of like Beatles. She would bump a lot of Mexican music. She would bump kind of everything. What, what, what You know, like a lot of Earth, Wind & Fire, a lot of fun, mm. you know, like... Stevie Wonders, about. you know what I mean? She would always mm-hmm. like sing, she would always sing to me, I just want to say I love you. I remember I'd be like, mom, stop. You know, like as a little kid, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so, and my dad's from Nayarit, Mexico. He listened to a lot of like, like um, uh, cumbia, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, rancheras, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I have no, like, I didn't listen to, to anything, anything Cuban, you know, growing up. Unless you want to, you know, like Celia Cruz, but Celia Cruz is more in the, in the pop, you know, Cuban, but as far as like salsa, salseros, you know, like I didn't, I, I came in a little bit late in, in the game in that, in that sense, listening to that style of music. So 
I had no clue that I had a musical gene in me or whatever, music, uh, even a passion for music until late in my life, until I was a, a senior in high school, I think, man. Before that, I used to box since I was 10 years old until pretty much a senior in high school, you know? And um, I was serious about that. You know, that, that taught me a lot of discipline, kept me out of a lot of trouble, you know? Um, and then later on, I find out that my grandma, which was my mom's mom who passed away when I was little, was an opera singer, a well-known, famous opera, opera singer who toured Mexico and all that. I listened to a recording of her and she, dude, she sounds like, you know, the, like those Disney sopranos, like like um, Snow White. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like she has like that. <laughs> it just came really like natural to me. So then you started in high school then as a senior. You were boxing most of your life. And then as a senior, what happened? What changed? What was the, the moment where you were well, like, you know was, what? was a, a friend of mine. He shows me a guitar. Rock en Español was, was huge. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so he would play some like Enanitos Verdes. And I was just like, man, let me let me try. Can I try? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't look that hard. <laughs> yeah, he, he's like, sure. And he shows me some chords. And that's it. Man, it was over. Game over. I just... What was the song? Do you remember the name of the song? Uh, bo nah, Borracho y Loco. Uh, oh, Lamento oh, Boliviano, yeah. Yeah, that one, that one just has like three chords, you know what I mean? And then after that, it was Stairway to Heaven, you know what I mean? Like a little by little. So the first style of music that I started playing was rock, reggae, was, was you know, of course, I was I was a big hip-hop head too. Like I, I listened to a lot of, well, rap, should I say more. I would listen to a lot of gangster rap, gangster rap at that time. Um, G Funk, or whatever. G Funk, ah. yeah, all the all the G Funk that was coming out in the nineties, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I even started a, a, a like little band in high school or whatever, and like we played for like the lunch hour and all that. And I remember we just do covers of Sublime, you know what I mean? Of Led Zeppelin, of and then somewhere around here, I'm assuming is when you when you hit that. Uh, no, I, I got stuff. into I got into Afro-Cuban music in Sandy in uh, Southwestern College. My first experience with it was at the Afro-Latin ensemble. Oh, you, you know, played like in the band? Okay. With, 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 like most folks here, you know what I mean, that live here, their first experience is usually in an ensemble or something. So my first experience with 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 Afro-Cuban music was in uh, in uh, Afro-Cuban ensemble at Southwestern College. I didn't know anything, man. I, the only thing that I knew that was slightly Afro-Cuban was Santana. You know what I mean? Like Carlos Santana. <laughs> like, so I'd go in there, you know, playing Carlos Santana. He was like, well, you know what? Try this song. Look, check out this song. So little by little. Yeah, man. And and um, and then I picked up the Tres actually there. And that's where I learned about the Tres. Like I learned about Pancho Amat. That was the first Tres Ooh. player that I, ever, that I ever like discovered Pancho. was Pancho Amat, man. Like, like just seeing him play, just seeing him play three strings. For me, it was a trip because I played guitar. It's like, how can he do that with only three strings? I was like, how, how can I, how's that possible? You know what I mean? Like it, it, it boggled my mind. How can he, how can you do that with three strings? And I just decided to try to learn on my own. So I learned on my, I learned tres on my own. So I went to Cuba basically. And by then I had already moved to Los Angeles to get yeah. my master's degree. Yeah. So, so then you went to LA, you went to CSU LA, you studied under Paul de Castro. And then you started this amazing band called Changui Majadero. So what so was, that was the... The, the band that I started? That was that was after my I went to Cuba. So the cool thing about uh, Cal State Los Angeles, the, the program there is that that um, you know apart from Paul Castro was a really cool dude and Bob who I learned a lot from too. It gave me the time to actually go to Cuba and and study out there and to learn Changui. You know what I mean? 
So it's funny, man, because I didn't even when I first went with my first trip to Cuba, I didn't I didn't really know much about Changui music. You know what I mean? Like I knew about a, a recording, a CD, you know, little YouTube videos here and there. But I didn't really know much. You know what I mean? Like and I didn't go to Cuba to learn Changui. I went to Cuba to learn Tres, to learn Son. You know what I mean? Like I, I went with the goal of trying to study with um, Pancho Amat. Like I mm. wanted to take classes with him. But when I went, he wasn't he wasn't there. He was, he was on tour. So I was like, oh, man, I missed and I just missed him. So I had a phone number that uh, Robert Fernandez gave me that Bob from Castel Los Angeles. He gave me a, um, a phone number of some some folks in Guantanamo who play Changui. He was like, hey, man, why don't you hit 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 hit, hit him up? You know, if you want to learn Changui, go to Guantanamo. So, OK, so once I got to Havana, I saw that Pancho Mar wasn't there. I hit up the phone number and little did I know that that phone number was Tavera. I mean, he, Tavera Ooh. was the one that picked up the phone. And, and, you know, like, I didn't, I didn't know who he was at the time. He was, I was just like, hey, man, quiero, quiero aprender changui. Me dijeron que te llamo a ti. He said, mira, montate la guava, vente para acá. You know, montate la guava. And, <laughs> and I was how like, long, okay. Okay, hold on. Let's pause. Let's pause. Because that's a lot. That's a lot to go over. So, first and foremost, the, the tres. Why don't you play a little bit? You got one there, right? Let's, let's show the people what a tres is. Because a tres a looks like a guitar, but it's not a guitar. A guitar has six strings. This looks like a guitar, and instead of having the six strings equally spaced out, we have the tres with six strings in pairs of two in three sets. And it's tuned differently. And instead of playing chords, like usually you do on rock, you play lines. Go ahead, play, play, us, a, play us a little something. No, no, I was playing chords. <laughs> I was playing chords. Exactly what I'm saying it don't do. All right, Gabriel, I see how it is. All right, play us a little something. <laughs> So that's a tres. That's what a tres sounds like. He was playing a variation of Paratin Nengon, probably like one of the one of the oldest, right? That's actually one of the oldest songs ever associated with the tres. It's like from the 1800s yeah. or something. Associated I, with, with, yeah, with, with Changui music too. Yeah. With Changui. So, and you, so the way this works is you have this instrument. This instrument is an old instrument. You'll see it played in son music, which for people unfamiliar with it, son music sounds like salsa, right? What would you say, Gabriel? The son, people who don't know, it all sounds the same. It all sounds the same, right? So it'll sound like salsa, but let's call it son because that's what it is. But son actually is the descendant of all these other branches of music that came from th this other side of the island. Havana's on one side, right? The Western side. But then you have this other Eastern side of the island right next to Haiti, which a lot of these musics actually came up, uh, came from. And there's this one province called Guantanamo. On the Eastern side of the island. On the eastern side of the island, exactly. And that's where this music and this instrument is from. That's why when Tavera said, come to Guantanamo, that's why he said, come to Guantanamo, because that's where they're at. And we're going to introduce who they are. And that's where this music and this instrument really comes from, the eastern side of the island, as opposed to the western side, uh, which has the capital, Havana. So then you were in Havana and you got off the phone with Taveras. And he said, basically, just get on a bus. So how did that yeah. happen? You just like went to a bus station, was like, look, I'm trying to go to Guantanamo. Yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It was just, it was, it was, it was just random and crazy. You know, I mean, those, 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 those adventures are the, are, are the funnest. You know, when, when, whenever I've traveled, 
in my life, the ones, the, the things that I don't plan are usually the things that end up being the most meaningful. You know what I mean? You meet the most meaningful people. You know what I mean? It's, it's funny how, how life works that way. So then you pay for the bus and what do you got? You got like a backpack or something. How long was that bus ride? What was the trip like to get from La Lana? Uh, I think to like, like six, six or seven hours. It was, it was, it was cool, man. Cause I, I, I got to know, uh, everything outside, you know what I mean? Like just driving, um, by I got to see the, the the cities too. When I got to Guantanamo, it was a completely different vibe from Havana. You know what I mean? You got you got it's like the city versus the countryside. So Guantanamo's all countryside. You know what I mean? And they're all country folks. So once once I got there, it was just like man, I felt like I was at, I was home. I felt like I was in my dad's ranch in Mexico. You know what I mean? Like chilling with a bunch of dudes. Speaking Spanish, the only difference is that they're just a little bit darker than my than my pops. You went to Guantanamo and you show up there, you got a backpack. So I believe I take a motorcycle taxi to um they had like just a backpack in my and a and a tres. I take a, one of those motorcycle taxis to the Casa de Changui, Guantanamo, and there I just see five dudes just like waiting for me. Like I just see five dudes just there and I'm just I'm like, okay. I get off and then, you know, one of them was Tavera, the one was Carmelo, the other one was Jose Andres, the, the singer. And they just treated me like family, man. And, and let's, ta- let's take a minute to talk about who these guys are, right? So Changui Guantanamo is perhaps, if not the most, what would you say, respected, well-known, innovative? important um, Changui groups that exist. You know, there's not that many Changui groups that made it international. Made, made a Changui, they've been able to tour and travel and 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 have Changui known throughout the world. So you go out, you go out, and you study with these guys, and then you come back and you found this group Changui Majadero, which is, I mean, in my opinion, an amazing, an amazing band. You have some of the best musicians in LA uh, that were longtime members, part of the band. Um, you've gotten tons of love, like all over the country, right? I mean, you were doing something for Lincoln Center at one point. You were traveling. You were touring before COVID. So how did that come about? What are the idea to to form a Changui band based in LA uh, come about when we both know that- It came about insanity. <laughs> From a man, a man who, who's been, been hit in the head way too many times in boxing. Would, yeah, we come back to the concussions. That's what it is. We come back That's to the That's what boxing. happened, man. A guy who just wasn't thinking straight. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, man, it's been a challenge. And it still is a challenge, bro. Um, sometimes I think to myself, like, what am I doing? But other times I think like, you know what? It's okay. You know what I mean? It's going to be okay. I fell in love, you know what I mean? With the, with the culture, with the people. It wasn't just the music because I was already in love with Cuban music, with song, you know what I mean? But I didn't know the culture. I mean, like, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't live live there. It was just things that I've heard, you know what I mean? That I heard on recordings, you know what I'm saying? So I didn't really know the culture. I get to the Havana, I see the Havana culture. I, didn't, I wasn't digging the Havana culture, you know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't digging it. I mean, even though I love the music that's coming out of some of the best music that I still listen to today, it was in Guantanamo where I fell in love with the culture, Guantanamo culture, that it's a lot different from the rest of Cuba, man. Just like when you go to New Orleans, the New Orleans culture is a lot different from the culture of the rest of the United States. It's own culture, it's own influence. Like Guantanamo has a lot of influences from its neighboring um, countries or whatever. As you mentioned before, Haiti, Puerto Rico, you know, Dominican Republic and Jamaica, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, um, it was just something that it was just like a kind of a calling, man, that, that I, w- I wanted to do, you know what I mean? So I, I, I came back 
to Los Angeles, not even with the intention to to start a band. It was more just to play, record Changui and play and put it up on YouTube. So that was my first official thing. That I came back, I made a, a YouTube video of me playing like all the instruments, like four thing, four um, uh, a four slice video part, and me playing some Changui. And I put it up on YouTube. I shared it. You know, here some friends shared it here, here and there. And out of nowhere, that's where I get a call from the Ortiz brothers, from from the band Son Mayor, which is a popular salsa band, a really old school salsa band here in 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 uh, Los Angeles. The, and the one Ortiz of the, brothers are really good uh, musicians. Go ahead. One of the vanguard bands of Los Angeles, right? Let's give them their due. Uh, Son Mayor has been around since the '90s, at least. Tiki Pasillas yep. has yeah. passed through there. Mm -hmm. The Son Mayor and the yeah, man, and the Ortiz brothers are are heavyweights. I mean, Georgia heavy, Ortiz played heavyweights. Some like. That was my, I think that was my main school, man. Playing with them mm -hmm. was my main school and, 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 and pocket and, and everything and everything. Like, even when I came back, like from, from Montanamo, like, yeah, I, I learned Changui, but there's a lot of things in, in music that, you know, just that are super important that I, I, I still didn't have, like learning how to play in the pocket. But yeah, man. So they, they were like my main, my main school and that. So so I get the call from Alfred Ortiz. He said, hey, man, I saw your video on YouTube playing Changui, man. I love Changui. You know, like I listen to this every day. This is like my medicine. It is like, bro, like, let's start a band or let's let's do something. Let's get together. So I got together with him. And that's that's kind of how the how the band started. And then his brother got in, George, Norrell, you know. And, All super and, nice people. And, All very, very yeah, nice people. Oh man, most beautiful people, man. And now let's see what you've done. Because the work that you've done with this band has been Again, I think very, very impressive, but you've also, you've done something very interesting in the sense that you've taken a music that's very niche, right? This is a very specific, there's a very specific audience for this type of music. Like you said, this isn't popular music. This isn't music that you're going to see like Jay Balvin doing or anything. Hopefully he should, he should call you up, but you've taken this and you've kind of created it and presented it in a way that has a little bit of, you know, California Chicano style to it, I would say. In the sense of the imagery we're going to see right now, I would say. I mean, I guess you could also say it's Cuban style, right? There's a bunch of nice cars. But you've presented it in such a way that is very accessible for people who aren't familiar with this music to consume it to, and to enjoy, right? So let's, that's, why don't we, uh, go ahead, go ahead. That's been the struggle, man. That's been the struggle because you could have this style of music, but if no one's, you know, is, is able to listen to it, it's kind of you're only playing it for yourself. So that, that's been, the, that's been my, the lifelong struggle, man. Changui Majadero, I, I see. It's it, it's 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 um, yeah. You make a point when you said yeah. You you hear this, it's you know like it has its California, East LA, whatever SoCal flavor, and it does. Because we're not playing like traditional traditional Changui. You know what I mean? Like it's not you know we're not using a marimbula. We're not you know, it's not it ha it has the influence our influence of, of the in individual band you know so yeah man so it's it's interesting that you point that out so you have this project now and you've made it such that it's able to be consumed and you're saying that this has been the struggle right the struggle has been how do you get this music that's from a, a small corner in cuba to be enjoyed by people of many different backgrounds and many different places. But you've been doing that from, of course, from the outsider's perspective. What are some of the gigs that you've played? Well, uh, well, here, well here's another interesting thing, David. You're a musician. 
and you're a well-educated musician. So, you know, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, like I've made it accessible, but it's still to a certain point, you know what I mean? Like, like, like it's, it's, it's difficult to, to make it even more accessible to the mass general audience because to the average person, that's salsa music. You know what I mean? When you're playing this salsa music, it doesn't, it, there's no differentiating towards, you know, if this is Cuban, you know, like, okay, maybe people who are Cuban heads who, who like Cuban music or whatever, who know about music, okay, maybe they'll think that's like son cubano. You know what I mean? But like to go over like specifically Changui, you know, I think now, now that YouTube is like, and is so, and the internet is so accessible to, to everyone in the world. I think now people are trying, are starting to get like, oh, okay, that know the difference between Changui and song, you know what I mean? And, and salsa. But before bro, like before, like people didn't know still the mass, the mass, the mass masses of the people, um, Cuban music is, 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 especially Changui music. Let's say Changui music. Changui music is a very hard sell. Cuban music already is a very hard sell. You know what I mean? Like now, now Changui, it's even harder. You know what I mean? It's a very hard sell. So yeah, man, it's, it's been very, very challenging to, to survive, you know, to, to make, to make a living off this. I don't, I don't make a living off of just my band. I make a living, like I'm, I'm a guitarist and singer, you know what I mean? And that's how I make a lot of my, my dough too, you know, like, you know, like guitar and, and singing different styles of music. So, but what are some of the gigs you play? Because you've had some, some high profile gigs. I know that yeah, I've seen. We've, we've done a lot of cool gigs, man. We've done a lot of cool gigs. We've played for, for the Lincoln center. We, we just did a, a live stream for, for the library of Congress, which was huge. I think that, that one, that one's, really huge because you know library of congress american mm -hmm. folk life center you know um i played with with uh with my maestro changui guantanamo uh at the new orleans jazz and heritage festival um we've done sf jazz you know what i mean that's from the bay where you're from shout out to to all the folks from the bay um so um yeah man just to name a few dodger stadium We've done a lot of cool gigs, man, you know, and I'm super grateful to for those opportunities. And I'm super grateful for the people in the industry who took the chance to hire a band that plays the style of music that, you know, like from a business point of view, I, I get it. You know what I mean? From a business point of view, like you're scared to invest money into a style of music that no one knows about. But at the same time, if you're a cultural curator, it's your responsibility to bring that kind of music, you know, and, and not just think about numbers first. You know what I mean? But usually, you know, that's what, what's the first thing that people, you know, think about and care about is numbers. You know what I mean? Like not, not the actual art or the culture itself, unfortunately, you know what I mean? What's going to bring the numbers. Right. Right. But I do think that the kind of gigs that you're doing and the library of Congress gig, of course, is huge. For if not only for the fact that again, there's this very unique band performing this very niche type of music for the American populace, right? For the American people and and abroad. And I think it's a testament to the work that you've done in this band, a testament to the work that the other band members have done in the band, and a testament to the fact that people do want to hear this kind of stuff and people do see it as meaningful. 
Um, I, for one, want to hear more of it. You know, I want to see more of it. And I know that there's many, many other people uh, that want want the same. And I do think, I agree with you. I think with the internet is going to get easier. And I hope it does get easier to share your music and to share the music of the band. Well, here's, the, here's, here's, here's the issue that I have. Yeah, man. I'll, if it were up to me, I'd be recording and playing Changui. You know, you know, like all day, every day. The issue is money. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pay bills. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm the driving force as far as like the, the, the one getting the gigs and whatever, I'm the one managing the band. So, so, um, that's, that's, that's the issue, man. And, and not only that, that now with the whole Spotify playlist and all that, like, dude, like I've, I've, I'm like, uh, I've lost my, my faith in the whole streaming platform. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, I've, I have, I haven't had good experience to, experience with uh, Spotify or, or stuff like that. You know what I mean? If you could give one piece of advice to anybody listening and to everybody who consumes their music via a streaming service, what would it be? I mean, I have my own ideas, but I, I would want to hear it from you as a performer, as someone who's, you know, dependent on people supporting your your music and your livelihood with their dollars, literally. Right. What would you recommend them to do if they're trying to actually support people, not just ingest music the way that I would argue most people here in the United States do it? In other words, they're doing something and they just put on Spotify. Right. So what would you recommend? It's a good question, man. I, I there's there's a lot of a lot of answers to that. You know what I mean, to answer that question, I, I can only speak for, for myself. Um, I can't speak for, for other bands, but for me. Like the, 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 the best way to support my band is just to be very actively following us, actively um, sharing our music, act, actively um, purchasing our music. Or if, or if you don't want to purchase, purchase it, that's fine. Just, you know, like our, our music is, is all ava available on our website. So I took down most of our music from Spotify and from streaming services and I just have it for free on my website. That's a, it's a good thing. There's a pros and cons for that. You know, the, the, the pros is that, you know, I have control over my distribution as far as, you know, like profits goes all to us, to the band. You know what I mean? The cons is that my music isn't accessible to the streaming services, you know what I mean? Which the majority of the people are on. Um, and you know, to, to, to talk about that, you have to get into a, the conversation about streaming, you know what I mean? You have to get into this whole other world of conversation. Um, but, you know, the streaming platforms, I'll, I'll tell you this much, hasn't been beneficial to me or my band. YouTube has been very beneficial. You know what I mean, For, without a doubt. And that's why I still post stuff on YouTube, you know what I mean? Because YouTube has, has been very beneficial. I, I guess just follow, be actively following. You know what? And I think more, more important than actually just buying the music because, you know, I'm, in the long run, I think if you're more of an active follower, follower in the sense that you're sharing, you're actually sharing our content. You know what I mean? Like, not, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about putting a post here on Facebook and sharing one. I'm talking about like actively sharing the music. You know, sending a text message, hey, to to a friend, to family member, hey, dude, check this out, check this out. You know, like spreading the word as 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 much as you can because. Your car, your, our, you know, without our listeners, we're nothing. You know what I mean? Like without our, our 
fans or our listeners who we play music for for ourselves you know what i mean like you know like i don't want to play music for myself you know what i mean like i want play music for folks to enjoy you know what i mean so i think in the long run really sharing our music and being an active fan is 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 more valuable than a a one time purchase of an album the last yeah. thing the last thing i wanted you to talk a bit about going to what we first opened up with this this you're so you're a founding member and the founder of Changui Majadero this is cuban music right mm-hmm. but done in your own flavor and and reinterpreted within this east la chicano aesthetic this american aesthetic but you're also a singer songwriter guitarist and you posted a video not too long ago when all of this stuff about the border and people wanting the wall and trump wanted to put the wall up it's you and bajo sexto playing bajo sexto and someone else uh, and you guys are accompanying each other looking out over la what i believe is la and i thought this video was particularly powerful and i would love it if we can watch it a bit and you explain where the music came from what these lyrics mean and why you were uh, motivated to create something like this and actually who the other musician is my my homie uh oracio luis oracio did the film that my homie marlo velasquez is singing so marlo is is uh, just the homie from from boyo heights Um, born and raised in Boyle Heights. Um, I met him actually living in City Terrace. Uh, he used to uh, own, work a, a, a marisco truck. And I would go all the time to to, to have a ceviche. Down the street from La Mina, where I used to live. And I remember his ceviche was just, oh my God. Was, so I, I met him um, buying mariscos. And then I saw like that 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 there was a bajo sexto like on on the dashboard of the of the food truck and i asked i asked him he was he was, he was in the cash register. i was like hey man who plays bajo sexto that's a that's a dope instrument like like he's like oh i do it's like on the real was like oh dude i play too you know what i mean like let's let's jam out so he just got off and we started jamming i was like oh wow this fool is bad like this guy has a badass voice for this for this genre of music like he has that really really like old school corrido sounding voice like so we just became friends and we just started uh just recording stuff actually that that song california robada the lyrics are by my dad so my dad uh composes um corridos mexican corridos but with a conscious conscious twist to them those lyrics are from my my pops man he my dad has is amazing amazing composer i need to record more he has a lot of songs that i need to record i didn't know your dad wrote it and yeah, my puzzle my heavy man he has a lot of other songs very heavy lyrics man really really good is there you anywhere know, where people can did, read did these things Chang, Chang, did you ever hear changui payoxinapa on our first album yeah yeah, yeah. that's that those lyrics are by my dad man well. you have to like not have to i would love it if i were to ever see just these these lyrics put up as poems somewhere in the internet somewhere where people can get get you know they can read them and they're heavy man that's not easy to do it's not easy to write lyrics like that you know a lot of people I think if anything, poetry, perhaps, you know, lyricism in music is one of the more underappreciated aspects of music and pop music in general in this country. I mean, so to listen to lyrics like that, it's a breath of fresh air, you know, and poetry that way. If people want to support you and they want to hear more of your music and they want to support Changui Majadero and they want to support that project or just follow you and see what the next steps are and the other releases that you have planned. And I'm sure once COVID lifts that you're going to have a ton of other gigs that they can go uh enjoy in person once all this stuff lifts where can people find you and where can people do that so i think you know going back to your question too man how they can support us support us you know what i mean like we're all going through a 
financial difficult time. So, you know, honestly, honestly, the best way to support, and I think that even once this whole, co- what the let's say this recession is over, even when the economy, economy is back to nor- normal, the best way to support, man, is to just follow our music actively, share our music, you know what I mean, actively. Um, I think that's kind of the best way. You could, uh, right now, we're mostly active on, on Instagram and, and uh, Facebook under Changui Mahadero. Uh, C-H-A-N-G-U-I-M-A-J-A-D-E-R-O. You know, you can follow us there. Um, yeah, man. And also just leave comments saying, you know, that you appreciate what we do. You know, because, you know, I, I could create something, you know, and maybe someone like you really, really, really enjoys it and are really appreciative about it. But if I'm not aware of it or the other band members aren't aware of it, you know what I mean, then it helps when when people you know let us know that they re- that the music is 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 helping them or that, that they really enjoy it you know leaving comments sharing you know what i mean leave us a message message us hey man you know we're, we're you know let us know let us know that, that you know because it encourages us encourages us to keep on going that was gabriel garcia of changui Mahadero. Again, if you loved his music, if you liked this interview, make sure to go check him out on Instagram and on Facebook. There'll be links to his Facebook and his Instagram in the show notes. Be sure to support, and like he said, be an active fan. That means going out and sharing their music if you like what they're putting out, telling a family member, telling your friends, and really pushing everyone you know to enjoy the music as much as you do. The original interview in its entirety can be seen at the People Plus Art YouTube channel. Best of all, All of the music remains intact in that interview. You'll be able to see the original music videos that we talked about during the interview. And every time you share that video and a video is seen, that support goes directly back to the artist in that interview. Meaning any money made from those videos doesn't go to the podcast. It goes straight back to the artist that you love. The podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Spotify as well as YouTube. So be sure to share, be sure to like, leave a comment, and interact with the podcast directly on Instagram. And tell me which artists you would like to see on the show next. See you all at the next one.